John chapter 11 this morning, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when, they heard, and when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were now just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was meant that he was taking rest and sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, and Mary, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I have said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And when the man who had been dead came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. All right, let's take a look at John chapter 11 uh, this morning. Thank you, church. It's been a great morning together already. But John uh, chapter 11, I think one of the things that I find interesting about John chapter 11 is it's probably the most close-knit chapter that we've looked at so far in the gospel of John. And what I say by that is that this is Jesus and his people. Uh, it is Jesus and his disciples. It is Jesus and his close friends. That is so evident in the fact that almost every single person that appears on the page in John chapter 11, we know their name. Uh, there's a lot of chapters where it says just a person or a blind person or a, a person in the temple. or it, They're just kind of faces in the crowd. But in John chapter 11, almost every single person that we meet in this passage is someone that we know this is a friend, this is a disciple. Now basically, almost all the people that we find in this chapter are what we would call Jesus people. They were Jesus' own people. They were people who had made a decision, sometimes at personal cost, at personal risk, in the face of a great deal of opposition, that they had said, I don't care what anybody else is saying out there. I don't care what the discussion and the debate is out there. I'm with Jesus. I'm one of his people. And so whether they were friends, disciples, or a combination of friends and disciples, these are his people. And yet, as we look at this passage, we also see beneath the surface, just right there, that there are several times that Jesus' own people, his intimate circle, the people who know him best, the people who had, had sacrificed and risked a great deal to be his people, they had said, we're with Jesus. And yet, I think as you look at this passage of scripture, there are still quite a few times in this chapter alone where they say, why does Jesus do the things that Jesus does? Well, why does Jesus make the decisions that he does? Well, why is it that when his friend, the one that he loves, is sick, why does he wait multiple days before he does anything about it? 
Why is it when Jesus tries to explain it, he seems to speak in riddles that make no sense whatsoever? Why is it that Jesus determines that he is going to go back to Judea where he's going to put his disciples at risk? Why is it that Jesus does the things that Jesus does? In fact, I think you can almost see Again, just beneath the surface. We don't see it out loud, but I think that you can kind of imagine that there are some people who are in this chapter that say, not the way I would have done it. In fact, there might even be some sense in which they say, now, Jesus, if, if I were in charge, if I had your ability, if I had your power, if I were you, I, I would have done this completely different. Now, I don't know whether you have ever spoken those words out loud. I don't know whether you've ever thought those words for very long. But I think that if you've been a follower of Christ, if you've been a Jesus person for very long at all, I think it's possible that there's been at least one time in your life where you said, why does Jesus do the things Jesus does? Maybe it's a promise that you felt had been delivered to you that has been, that has not been fulfilled yet in your life. Maybe it's a cry of your heart that it just doesn't feel like it's been heard yet. Maybe it's a need in your life that still is there. Maybe it is the fact that as you're, the more that you are committed and following Jesus, it seems like life is getting more complicated, not easier and simpler. And so you stop and you say, why does Jesus do the things that Jesus does. Well, I have good news for you this morning. Isn't good news great? I have good news for you. The good news is that the things that we see and understand are only the tip of the iceberg of what God is doing. The things that we see and certainly the things that we understand are only the tip of the iceberg of what God is really desiring and is doing inside of our lives. And so I would say to you that it is quite possible that there are times that you inventory life and you look at the circumstances that you're walking in and you're dealing with that you say, this doesn't make a bit of sense. Why is this happening in this way? It is almost as though Jesus is absent in this moment, and I don't understand what I want you to know, what I want you to be encouraged by, what I want you to write down, what I want you to, to know, what I want you to memorize, is the things that we see and understand are only the tip of the iceberg of what God is doing. So let's think about that in the context of the passage of Scripture that we read just a few moments ago. Well, one of the things that I want you to know as we, we think about this in this tip of the iceberg uh, concept and reality is that we may not understand, we may not understand God's delay, but we can be sure of God's love for us. We may not understand God's delay, but we can be sure of God's love. Here's the question that's right here in the middle of this passage that, that the people there were wondering and that maybe you're wondering as well. Why didn't Jesus come? Why didn't Jesus come? These are Jesus' people. 
These are the people that, that Jesus would stay in their house when he came to Jerusalem. He would come through Bethany, and Bethany was the place that he often stayed, and we have stories of Jesus being in this family's home. It was his place that he could relax. It was his place where he could kick off his sandals and just kind of take a breath of air. These were people that he loved. These were people that he cared about, and so there's a message that sends out, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick, and what is assumed in that, what is presumed is, so come and do what Jesus does. Come and heal. It is quite likely that they had sat there in their living room on the front steps of their, of their house and watched Jesus heal person after person after person. And probably a couple of them, Mary and Martha and Lazarus could look at it and say, why would Jesus heal that person? That person's a scoundrel. That person doesn't deserve healing. That person doesn't deserve an act of God. And now, Lazarus, a good man, a man that Jesus loved, he needs help. And so the message goes out and it says, Jesus loved Lazarus. And so he stayed a few more days where he was. That's exactly what it says there in verses 45. Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. Jesus loved him and stayed exactly where he was. Lazarus passes away. Jesus shows up for the funeral instead of showing up for the healing. On the outskirts of town, Martha hears that Jesus is on the way. She goes out to meet Martha. And the words that she greets Jesus with, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had shown up, things would have been different, Jesus. Martha goes back and tells Mary, Jesus is here and he's, he's asking for you. Mary comes out to meet Jesus in the same spot that he had just spoken to Martha. Her very first words are, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you would have shown up, things would have been different. In fact, we see it at, toward the end of the passage that the people in town are whispering, Man, he healed a bunch of other people. You would have thought his, his boy Lazarus would have been at the front of that line. Why doesn't Jesus show up on time? Well, I don't have all those answers. I, I don't have all of the answers. We, we see some of it here in the passage. But, but I don't want to tie it up with a bow too tight. I don't have all the answers to what the timing of God is from the beginning of time to the end of time. And I don't have the answers to the timing of God inside of your life this week. It is really beyond my ability to see and it is certainly beyond my ability to understand. And we could talk about some things 
but I'm not going to be able to tell you, well, this is the reason why things are on this schedule. This is the reason why it seems as though there's a delay. This is the reason why God's timing seems to be slower than it feels like it should be. I'm I'm not going to be able to give you the answer to that. But what we see in this passage of Scripture is that even though we may not understand the delay, we must be assured of God's love. I want you to know God's love is so clear, even in Jesus' absence. Even though he is not there physically, the passage tells us this is someone that he loved, this is a person that he loved, this is a family that he loved. And even when he does not leave physically to go be there, Lazarus continues to be the whole center of the conversation around the disciples. They don't stop talking about Lazarus and his condition because even though Jesus is not there physically, his heart, his mind, and his spirit is there with Lazarus and with his family. And then when Jesus does show up, when Jesus does show up and he speaks to Martha and he speaks to Mary, It stirs him so deeply. In fact, the passage of Scripture emphasizes the fact that he is moved, that he is stirred, and he is troubled by the conversation. In fact, it tells us in that great verse, Jesus wept. Michael challenged me this week to make that the Scripture reading before the sermon, just to stand up here and say, Jesus wept and then sit down. It would have saved us some time. (laughs) And and, and it would have been rich with theology because even though it's just two words, even though it's less than ten letters, it tells us that God himself cares so deeply. He does not just know their needs. He does not just... uh, process their information. It is not some database that that, that God just kind of thumbs down and it scrolls up through there. He says, I know that, 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 I know that. It says that he is stirred deeply. It troubles him greatly. He weeps. They take him to the side of the grave at his request. And it says once again, he is deeply troubled. Remember the old poem? It's, it's got some age on it, but it's the story of the footprints. Uh, sometimes we, I don't know about everyone else, sometimes you kind of tune that out because it's been on t-shirts, it's been on greeting cards, it, it's kind of been everywhere. But there's truth in that. That whole statement is about the presence of God and his affection for us, and even in the most difficult times. One of the first church songs you probably ever learned is a very simple song that says Jesus loves me this I know Jesus loves me this I know and what I want you to hear and what I want you to know this morning is that even when we do not understand God's timing even when we do not understand the delay and we do not understand why has this not happened yet why does it seem as though God is absent in this moment what I want you to know is that you cannot question the love of God because even in the seeming distance his heart is with you 
And I can't explain all of this theology, but I do not believe that this is the only place that Jesus has wept over the people that he loves. And there are some moments and experiences that you have been through that Jesus has been just as stirred over as he was in this passage of scripture. Jesus loves me, this I know. I would also tell you that even though we don't always understand all of God's words, we can understand his message to our lives. We can understand his deep desire for our lives. There are these conversations between Jesus and the disciples at the top of the chapter. <laughs> Man, you ever have a class that was just really hard in school that you felt like you never could keep up with what was going on? Uh, I remember taking, uh, taking one class and complaining about it, and the professor said, well, you know, it, it, it's just like you, you got to hold the, the bucket under the waterfall and catch what you can. I'm like, man, my bucket is like three miles down the river. Man, my bucket is, is gone. I have no idea what's going on. I think that the disciples often felt that way with Jesus. He would say things, and they're like, what? What, what, what was that? And so, so Jesus says, says, we're going to go back to Judea. And they're like, oh no, we're all going to die if we go back to Judea. And he says, listen, it's okay because there are 12 hours of daylight and, and then there's night. And, and Jesus says, that, you know, that makes sense, right? And, and they're like, what does that have to do with, with anything? That, that's not really helping me. That, that hasn't explained anything to me. I knew before that there were 12 hours of daylight and there were 12 hours of night. What, what does that even mean? He tells the disciples, don't worry about Lazarus. He's asleep. He's not dead. Oh, good. We don't have to go back to Judea. We're not going to die. No, 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 no. He's dead, but, but it's like sleep. It's not like a nap. It's, and he has to explain those things. He, he comes to Martha, and he says, uh, your brother will rise again. And, and she doesn't know exactly all of those things mean. The truth is, is we we have this incredible gift of the Word of God, but there are parts in there we're still trying to work our way through. Uh, I have the responsibility of coming and teaching, and, and I'm hoping, like, ooh, I hope there's no hard spots this week. And there usually is a hard spot. <laughs> there usually is a spot like, ooh, I, I don't know, let me ask some people, let me, let me read about this a little bit. The truth is that sometimes it takes a little while to learn the language of the Word of God. I don't mean a foreign language, I mean just the way it speaks. It takes a little while to learn the rhythm of the Word of God. It takes a little while to learn the themes of the Word of God. Sometimes it takes a little bit of experience in our own life before the Word of God makes sense. Sometimes it is the Word of God is not only intended for this day, but it's intended for a day that's down the road that hasn't arrived yet. And so all of those things sometimes make the Word of God a little bit difficult to understand. Now there is joy in that in that we get to continue to grow in our understanding of the Word of God. It doesn't all fall together on day one, like, ah, I know it, I got it. No, we, we get to live every single day growing in our discovery through the Word of God. But sometimes it is frustrating and say, I read this stuff, I hear these words, I have no idea what it's talking about. It takes time. 
it'll grow inside of you. In time, you will know more and more of it all of the time. But I will assure you that even though there are some things that you do not yet understand, I want you to know that there are some things that are right on the surface that are so easy to understand because it's so clear. One of the things that we've been telling you that the Gospel of John is the Gospel of belief. We've told you that on every single page of the Gospel of John, it is the story of belief. I want you to take a look here in John chapter 11 and verse 15. It says, verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. The whole thing about the timing, the plan, the absence, all of those things were configured so that our belief would increase. Belief is not just there in verse 15, but it's also there in verse 25. It's there in verse 26. It's there in verse 40. It's there in verse 42. It's in verse 45. It's in verse 48. It is throughout this entire passage. In fact, in verse 42, he says, as Jesus prays on the side of that grave, he says, I, I don't pray so that you will hear me because I know that you always hear me, but I pray so that those who hear me so that they will believe. Let me tell you, there, there may be some things here that you don't understand. But what Jesus is making clear throughout his ministry is that he came so that you would believe in him. It's right there on the page. It's right there at the surface. It's what he wants you to do. And so I would tell you, if you have never come to what we call believing faith, where you put the weight of your life, the weight of your future, the weight of your past on him, if you, if you have not come to the place where you have lived, placed your life under his authority and under his grace and received forgiveness, and his presence in your life. If you've never done that, the call upon your life today is to believe today because that's the thing that he wants to make clear to your life. And if you are a person who has already come to what we call believing faith, if you are a person who is what we would call a believer, then I would still tell you that God's number one desire in your life is for you to grow in your faith and in your belief. And in fact, one of the things that we see here in this passage is that one of the reasons why we walk through some of the journeys that we walk through is so it will stretch and grow our belief. Now that is not a comprehensive statement that every time you walk through something, it is God doing it to grow your faith. Sometimes it's somebody else's rebellion and sometimes it's somebody else's sin. But I will tell you that there is an active role in which God is using the circumstances and situation in your life to stretch your ability to believe in Him. Now, our default is we would like to arrive at a comfortable level of belief and treat that comfortable level of belief like an easy boy recliner, settle in, pull the lever oh, and have a great afternoon but that's not what God has designed for us to do he says believe more trust me more turn over more parts of your life to me 
Now, you may not understand all of it, but I will tell you that the message of the Gospel of John is for you to believe in Him and to believe in Him in an increasing capacity all the time. I will also tell you as we look at the passage, I will tell you that sometimes we may not understand God's plan, but we can be sure of God's power. We may not understand God's plan, but we can be sure of God's power. As Jesus stands there on the edge of that tomb and he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The old preacher story is that you know the reason why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, is because it was a full cemetery. And he was only looking for one person. And if he hadn't said Lazarus, when he said come forth, it would have been a whole army came for. I don't know whether that's theologically true, but there's a part of that that I don't doubt. Someone else has talked about one of the ways to describe the people around Jesus is the used-to-be's. He used to be unable to walk. He used to be blind. And here in this passage of scripture, it says that the man who used to be dead came forth. I like that. I used to be dead. <laughs> I used to be blind. I used to be dead. But here I am because Jesus has that power to completely transform your life from whatever grip it may be in. In fact, the last words that Jesus speaks in this passage is he says, unbind him. Let him loose to whatever it is that's been holding on to this person. Cut them loose from the bondage that has gripped their life. That's what Jesus does. You may not understand the plan, but let me tell you, the power is unlimited to change and transform your life. So what does this mean for us? I think the easiest challenge that I would give to you today is to kind of put yourself in the story. Again, we know the names of almost everybody in the story. Who is it that you relate most to in the story? We didn't zero in on this, but, but Thomas is the one that says, I guess we'll all go and die together. But maybe, maybe you relate to Thomas. You're just plain discouraged, and you're confused, and some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. So you just kind of throw up your hands and say, I guess we'll all go die together. And it's just confusing. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. Maybe, maybe you're like the sisters. You're disappointed. This isn't what I signed up for. This is what I, isn't what I'm supposed to be experiencing. This isn't what I'm supposed to have. You got to know that house was just full of that question. If Jesus had been here, would have been different. Why, why didn't he show up? And so maybe the person that you relate to is the sisters who are disappointed. Maybe the person that you relate to is Lazarus. You need to be freed, transformed, and released from bondage. I don't know what your story is, but I do know that he loves you, 
He has a word for you to understand and live on. And He has the power to change your life. I encourage you to respond today to Him. Let's pray.